state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle formation of the near side. JD's put out left. They look left. Back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five. He lays out. He's in. That's a two-point play for Nebraska. And they've tied this game in Champaign at 35 apiece. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Yes, indeed. We're back with the Thursday night show. Glad you've dialed us up here tonight. A lot of Husker football chatter in the next three hours. Practice report coming up in a few minutes. The head coach met with the media after today's walkthrough. We'll hear his thoughts about Khalil Davis being suspended and some other things that were on his mind today. We'll have our Nebraska football coaches hour in hour number two. Defensive line coach Tony Tuioti will be in the house. Looking forward to talking to Coach Tuioti. First year on the staff. Um, done a great job. That defensive line's played well for the Big Red. So we'll invite you to join us with comments and questions in hour number two. Teddy Greenstein will be here in hour number three, and then we will talk to Oscar Monteroso, who is going to be one of the Spanish broadcasters. It's going to be broadcasting the Huskers game with Northwestern on Saturday. First ever non-English broadcast of a Nebraska game. And it will be aired in Omaha on 97.7 and out in Grand Island on 93.3. Plus, it'll be streamed on Huskers.com, the Huskers app. So, looking forward to talking to Oscar. He, along with his broadcast partner, Enrique Morales, also call the Kansas City Chiefs. So, they certainly know their football. And we'll talk to Oscar coming up in the third hour of the program. And, as always, phone lines are open for you at 866-HOSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Good to have Ben back. We had you on assignment I know you love going to Chicago. Love seeing all those basketball guys. <laughs> I was talking to somebody yesterday when I was getting home. I was driving home from the airport, and they're like, oh, how is Chicago? Like, I probably was out in the air, like, in looking out a window at Chicago for maybe 11 minutes <laughs> yesterday. That's how long. I mean, it takes about between five and ten minutes to get from the airport to the Rosemont area, which is where the media day was. And it's basically all interstate. So you're, I mean, you're in the car for maybe, I think I was in the Uber for like five minutes on the way there. Maybe it was like quite double that coming back because of traffic, but yeah. So, I mean, Chicago was great. I (laughs) I really enjoyed, really enjoyed my time in the, in the Windy City. You got to see people though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Once you're actually there in the event, you know, the event's going on. And it goes fast. Oh yeah. Compared to the football deal. Yeah. I mean, they, they cram a lot in a, in a short amount of time and it's funny because usually uh, usually the th- events and the and the players are like so worn out by the end of it. It's just like in hoops, they, they cram it all into, into one day. And it's funny, like a couple of the media people were talking about that. You know, Adam Rittenberg was there yesterday. And it's like not quite like football, is it? You know, just just how fast it is. So, yeah, but it's good. I mean, it's it's efficient, and and usually everybody, all the media, you know, get there and, and get what they need, and you know, it's relatively quick. Enjoyed your interview with Cam Mack, bright young guy, and sounds like pretty good basketball player too. Quite a story, you know. Um, you know, coming from, uh, you know, out of high school and 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 ending up at Stephen F. Austin. You know, many people will remember that great team they had a few years back. That I think they were a 12 seed in the tournament that year, and and were a really good team. Um, you know, it didn't work out there and he transferred to Salt Lake and, you know, you heard in the interview, I'm, I was intrigued 
you know, we've heard a lot about junior college football. What 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 is junior college basketball like? And it's, it's got the same vibe. You know, everybody's there, and they know they have a very limited amount of time. And every game, you don't you don't take any game for granted because of who might be watching and what what potential you might have for uh, you know, to go pl- a chance to go play somewhere after your time there. And uh, you know, was committed to St. John's and and Coach Abdul Massey, and then Coach Bolts for Nebraska and then everything changed for him and um but th- that relationship won out and he ended up in Nebraska. Well, I know Fred Hoiberg excited to have him a part of this Husker team again Nebraska. We did also learn yesterday that the super secret scrimmage is later this month at Wichita State. I believe it's the 26th and then they'll have their exhibition game with Doan on the 30th. And off they go on November 5th to start the basketball season. We'll be covering it throughout the month as well. Good to have Ben back. Did a great job in Chicago yesterday. There was some future football scheduling news that came out today for Nebraska. They have completed their 2023 non-conference schedule with the addition of Louisiana Tech. Uh, They will be a part of that non-conference schedule along with Northern Illinois and Colorado uh, in 2023, the Huskers' home games will be La Tech and Northern Illinois. They will go to Colorado in 2023. Northern Illinois also was supposed to come here in 2021. That matchup, though, has been moved to 2027. And so Nebraska has an opening in their schedule in two years. So they're going to – I'm sure they've been on the horn, Bob Burton and the like. Over there, the athletic department probably been – buzzing some phone lines to try to find an opponent to fill the spot of northern illinois in 2021 they're not dumping nebraska they're just they moved it down the road six years to 2027 for another part of the contract with the huskies who certainly are a a formidable matchup that came here one a couple of years ago Uh, so we uh, that came out today but nebraska now one short of a game in 2021 Uh, we're going to hear from coach frost here in a little bit he did he did get asked about the khalil davis suspension that came out yesterday, Ben, and I, I'll be honest with you. I, that, I, I didn't see that coming because I didn't, I didn't see the play happen. I didn't see really any chatter on message boards, on our show, on Twitter, about it at all. And then here it came down the pike from the league saying he's suspended for a game. And Nebraska apparently saw what the league saw. They really didn't push back on it. But I did not see that thing coming yesterday. I, I didn't see a suspension coming, but I did notice during the game things were getting awfully chippy with the Davis brothers and, and Ohio State's O-line. There was about four or five PATs where there was extracurricular stuff going on and where they were involved, you know, shoving and, and pushing and, uh, and obviously words exchanged. And I even recall after one of them, the officials coming to Nebraska's sideline and saying, you know, I, I, I watched it all happen and then I knew the officials had had enough and they – walked over to uh to the nebraska sideline and and basically warned him and i think on the very next one it was khalil that got an unsportsmanlike pat uh so if i expected anything to happen i expected it to be as a result from one of those point after incidents um i i never would have picked it up during that play that that something had happened but i can't say i'm surprised that that wasn't typical to see that amount of extracurricular uh, things happening after after whistles, both after PATs and you know apparently after a, a play in the first quarter. How much do you think this hurts Nebraska Saturday? Well, it's not good. I mean, Khalil Davis, I think, was Nebraska's leading sack guy and you know, among the leaders in TFL. So, at a, at a battle that we're expecting on Saturday for it to be defense led, to have one of your anchors on that D line out. It's, 
it's not ideal at all. Keem Green, Nate Nice were suggesting last night. I, I think you maybe see him play again for the second straight week. He got a few snaps against Ohio State, but with one of your top six out, you would think Keem Green would be a guy that could get it. Uh, Scott Frost did say today that Ben Stilley will get the start in place of Khalil Davis in this game on Saturday. I, I was I went back today and and watched the Wisconsin Northwestern game. My goodness, did the Cats play some defense? They held the Badgers to ten offensive points, and Northwestern took the opening kickoff and drove it down and scored. So there were seven. They only got three points the rest of the game from their offense. The Badgers scored two defensive touchdowns in the game. This defense is going to really challenge Nebraska on Saturday afternoon. They're a solid unit. I, I, I ran into our boy Teddy Greenstein yesterday, who I know you're looking forward to talking to here tonight, and, and we kind of talked about this game, and, and that's, what we, that's what we talked about uh, you know, with this Northwestern defense um, and, and just how solid they are. Patty Fisher is one of the better linebackers in, in the conference, just very skilled, very experienced. Gaziano up front, they're pretty – uh, deep up front on the D line, and they're they're just solid quality players. And for what and Teddy and I were talking about this yesterday, for whatever reason, they do an excellent job against Wisconsin every year. They're the only team to have held Jonathan Taylor under 100 yards twice in his career, and they didn't do it on the, on the last on the last game. But I think it was like a buck twenty on you know twenty a north of twenty five carries. So again, and mo- almost all of that came on the first drive, first drive of the game. So, yeah, very good unit, and I'm expecting it to be a tough tough challenge for Nebraska's offense on Saturday. Well, they will, they will definitely be a challenge. They're challenged offensively, as I think everybody has noticed. But I've also said, yeah, look at who they played. They played Stanford, Wisconsin, and Michigan State, three out of four games. Those are pretty good defenses that they matched up with early in the year. So don't fall in the trap. And we'll talk about this with Tony Tuioti in hour number two. But you can't – Huskers defense can't fall in the trap. Well, these guys aren't any good. We just got to show up. We'll be fine. They got to bring it. They got to bring it on Saturday. Northwestern's 3-1 and one in the stadium since yeah. joining the Big Ten. So, yeah, they better not be taking them. And Nebraska's not that good. Nebraska should, is not good enough to say that about anybody. We can take these guys lightly. I mean, you have had the, the last four or five years of this program that Nebraska's had. You haven't earned the right to say they're not that good against anybody. So, right. yeah, they, they better bring it on Saturday. Time now to give you a practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. With JTEC Construction, it's simple. When it's time to replace your windows, give the official exterior experts of the Huskers a call for a free no-obligation assessment. Had a media availability today with the head coach, Scott Frost, as we do each and every Thursday. And, of course, the big news was announced late yesterday, well after the members of the media got a chance to talk with the coaches about Khalil Davis and his one-game suspension. Coach Frost addressed the Davis situation right out of the chute. No, you know, if we'd have known something was going on during the game, we would have handled during the game. We had no idea. Um, you know, we don't condone what he did on the field. So I, I support and agree with the decision. Um, he's going to have some internal punishment as well as, as the Big Ten suspension. You know, the, the only thing I would say, and not rebuttal, but I, I just want to make sure if that kind of thing happens in any game that it's handled the same way. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it will be. Uh, I mean, I suppose that 
you know, you take a look at that play as a coach and, you know, any type of – even in a gray area, you know, you make sure that your team understands that it can't be doing that. You know, I know the media quickly was trying to find the play because the Big Ten in the re- release put exactly what time of the game that it happened, 9-18 of the first quarter, and everybody's first initial look to the video couldn't see anything. But then when you see Scott Frost release yesterday and then listening to that today – Nebraska saw something, too, that they agreed with this in. But I also agree with the head coach. Uh, let's call this both ways. It's not that far removed from a year ago where Colorado clearly had a guy twisting Adrian Martinez's leg under a pile. And, and again, that's a different conference. I know that's a Pac-12 school. They didn't do anything about it. I think that's what the subtle kind of comment from Coach Frost about it. This is fine. He deserves it. Let's make sure that happens to one of the two our guys that have – the same punishments handed down right and as you said we didn't see the play but if there's any kind of arms being thrown can't do it and a punching yeah. matter whether it's a open hand close hand that's that's going to get a suspension what about the referees did they bring up the situation during the game to the coaches yeah the referees told me there was a little extracurricular going on with him now that was going on both ways uh, but there's a difference between a little shoving after a play and um and what happened so um you know, like I said, I, we we knew a, the uh, they alluded to that something was going on, but we had no idea uh, until we saw the film what had happened. Almost got out of him what happened, and he said what had happened. Got up to the line and stopped. He, he caught he? himself, called a timeout and at the last second. You spent a lot of Khalil's a good kid. He is, yeah, and and I've always told told and Carlos is too. You know, they're they're the nicest guys off the field, but you know, like any competitor, you put those pads on and you get those juices flowing. I want them to be mean. You want them to be nasty. Yep. Now we don't want them crossing any lines and, and gaining suspensions, but yeah, they're definitely different player people when they have the pads on. What about the D line rotation now? Here's Coach Frost. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I know Ben Stilley is ready to be the the starter at that position, um, and he's capable and worked hard and and ready. Um, beyond that, I think. Uh, Tony and Coach Jens and I are going to have to talk. DeAndre Thomas has been doing good things for us, and I'm sure he'll take some of the reps, and we'll see beyond that. It's just good that there's some depth there. I mean, that, that's the only silver lining in this is it can't, comes in a spot where Nebraska does have bodies. Yeah, maybe the be- deepest position on this football team. And, again, how timely is it for all of us? Tony Tuioti is going to be here yeah. next hour. We'll ask about a lot of this. I'm sure he won't say much more about the incident, but he can maybe talk about some of the other guys in the pipeline and what's kind of coming up. Sure. Uh, what about Northwestern and specifically their discipline? Um, you know, I listened to their press conference. I, I think it was on Monday that that came out. And, you know, they, they talk about their scheme defensively. They're very open about it. They don't change it. They've run it for years. And yet it's very effective because of the discipline and because of, you know, to which degree they run it. Coach Frost talked about that discipline of just the Northwestern football team here coming to Lincoln. Yeah, that's the thing you always respect about Northwestern. They play hard, they're physical, and they don't make mistakes. Um, you know, looking at how this season's played out, I think this is probably as important a game as there is all year for them. Um, I just got to telling the guys I think it's the same for us. I know they're going to come in ready to play um, with where their season is. We have to be ready to play where our season is. Um, I expect it to be a physical game. I, I really think the key to the whole game is going to be turnovers. Um, if you look back at last year's game and everything that happened, if we just hadn't given them a strip sack fumble on defense uh, we, we most likely would have won the game that was the difference in the game uh, these guys don't beat themselves very often uh, we have to make sure we do the same they have a really good defense so 
uh, we just have to make sure that uh, even if we're not scoring, we're trying to win the field position battle, and a big part of that is not turn turning the ball over. Turning the ball over is something we talk about in the show all the time, something they address at practice, callers calling about. People are probably tired of hearing of it, but it's it's – Ben, uh, the story of this team this year is turning the ball over. Coach Frost expounded on that about taking care of the football. You take care of the ball in practice, you take care of the ball in the game. Um, you know, last week they had some special players and a, and a couple of the turnovers were just created by really good plays by a couple guys. Um, I didn't think we were careless with the ball. Uh, one sailed throw maybe was careless. Uh, other than that, we weren't careless with the ball. They just made a play and had one land on them. Um, but it's happened too often to, to say that it's just coincidence. So we, we, we need to be uh, as dialed in to protecting the football as we possibly can on Saturday. It's been a head-scratcher, right? I mean, it was four fumbles at Illinois, one of those being that goofy one that appeared to kind of be a forward pass that came out of Adrian's hand, and he had the, the fumble at the mesh point. J.D. got popped at the end of a long run. Last week it was the, the picks, and Akuda made a great play on the first one. Uh, and then the, the unfortunate bounce for Nebraska off the fingertips of Wandale and Okuda catches and laying down. And, and the third one was, was a legit poor throw by Adrian or miscommunication between him and a wide receiver. So one week it's fumbles, one week it's turnovers. Whatever it is, it's, it's got to stop or you can't win games. I mean, Nebraska was fortunate, Ben, to win the game in Champaign with those four turnovers. Absolutely. You know, the, it, it will just kill you, you know, whether you're – Inside the opponent's red zone or in your own red zone, they're just they they cripple. Uh, they're game changing type plays, and it's something Nebraska needs to learn how to avoid. What about the offense overall? A lot of talk about Northwestern's defense and and how good that unit is. How about the Nebraska offense and the way that they're going to attack them on Saturday and how they've practiced this week? The guys responded really well. Uh, they had fun with each other this week. I think we improved in practice all week. Um, really good Thursday today so I think the guys are as familiar with the game plan and as ready to execute it as we've been we still have to go do it on Saturday and we have to uh, keep from making mistakes don't you think it's easier Ben to to put behind you a game like Saturday than the Colorado oh, game, yeah where you just get your heart ripped out without a doubt I mean and Mo Berry kind of told us out of the game you tip your cap you know it, it takes a man to admit when he when they get beat when someone lines up across from you and you get beat Nebraska got beat and there's no there's no questioning that they were dominated in all three aspects of the game offense defense and special teams but when you're the team dominating for three quarters and you let one slip away on basically three plays on a team that you really really i'm not to say nebraska didn't really want to beat ohio state but a team that you wanted some some blood with with colorado with what happened last year there's no doubt that one hurts more, especially the you know in their house and the way that they celebrated after that game. There's no question. I just know how I reacted. I wasn't over Colorado until about Wednesday. Yeah. I was over Ohio State about the time you and I walked out the front door of Memorial Stadium. I'm like, all right, let's go get Northwestern yeah. next week. Yeah, same way. I mean, you, you were really disappointed with the way the thing ended, but you know, and how lopsided the score was. But I'm the same way. I mean, I don't even know that I, I'm over Colorado yet, to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, you know, right. I still look at their box scores every week, hoping those guys lose by 30 points. You know, that's the, it's still the same way. It's They've still the same feeling. two ranked teams already. I know year. it. Um, but, yeah, no, good, bad, or indifferent. You're going to want that one back at the end of the year. What about Nebraska winning the turnover battle? The Huskers were so good at forcing fumbles uh, and good at getting picks really up until last week. They had one in every game. Justin Fields hasn't thrown a pick this year, but winning the turnover battle on Saturday. 
We need to win the turnover battle, and that's a two-way street. That's the offense taking care of the ball. That's the defense creating some. Um, I think that was a little uncharacteristic of a Northwestern team to, to give up those scores on offense. Um, you know, anytime you're playing with a young quarterback, those things can happen. I know that the kid they're playing is really talented. Um, I have no doubt he's, he's going to have a spectacular career there. Um, I've been a first-year quarterback, and you have to learn from some mistakes, and I think that's probably what happened. But he's a really good player. Um, we have to be ready to play against whichever quarterback's playing. But uh, that's, that's not typical of a Northwestern team, and I don't think we can expect it. Northwestern quarterbacks have thrown two touchdowns and seven interceptions on the year. Yikes. So Nebraska can find a way to take away the running game and make Hunter Johnson, who we're told is full go now, throw the football. I think good things are going to happen. He got smashed once on a, on a blitz that knocked the air out of him. He came back the next series and it looked like he kind of tweaked his knee a little bit and that ended his day and they went with Aiden Smith, a junior in the program finished out the Wisconsin game and he doesn't have the prettiest delivery but he got the ball to where it needed to go so again I, when I look at Northwestern I also consider who they played and they played some really good defenses so Nebraska's got to be prepared to bring in I'm sure they will on Saturday one piece to this Husker offense puzzle that we haven't seen really turn loose yet we saw very little of it early in the year but Came in with a lot of praise from his high school coach. Came from a great program in the northeast part of the country. And it quite honestly is playing a position that Nebraska needs help. And that's the running back position in Ramir Johnson, whose uh, commitment was a, a very welcoming sign. Come from a college football power in the northeast part of the country. Coach Frost talked about his freshman running back. Keep saying Ramir's ready. Um, I think he's been close coming up to this game. I think he's ready now. Um, He's done a good job continuing to work. His speed is a difference for us. It could be a difference maker. So we just have to make, had to make sure he was ready to execute every play and knew the offense well enough not to make mistakes. And uh, his time's coming very shortly. That, that would be really difficult as a coach to see the physical talent and hold back. You know, no, you see the one or two great plays he makes in practice and you're standing on the sideline when you need an electric play and maybe you walk by him and go, man, I could really use a, a Ramir Johnson or whatever uh, big run right here. It takes a lot of probably withdrawal, you know, to to not throw throw him in there. But it's good to hear that he's making progress and I, and I hope we get to see more of him. You want to redshirt him or not? I think I do. He's played once, so he's got three more he can play with. But I'm with you. I go back to watching him in August and going, wow, there's, he's got electric feet. L let me ask you this. Let's, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Mo Washington gets hit on his first carry again and gets I, exited out of the game. I play him. You throw him in there, and he rushes for 85 yards on 12 carries. Do you use redshirt now, or do you go, this could be our guy? I think you go ahead and play him. Because you can redshirt next year, or you can redshirt the following year. I mean, redshirts can happen, and that's, I hope people understand that. You don't have to do it as a freshman. You can be a redshirt as a sophomore or junior, whatever it may but be. With Mo Washington's lack of durability, and, and D Diedrich Mills' shoulders are taking a beating they are. right now. At what point – and Wandale can only handle yep. so much himself. At Great what point, point do you go, show us what you got, kid? I, I, yep, we may be close to that. You're right. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Snap back to Bowers. Now gets rushed, steps up, gets hit, goes down. There's another sack for the Huskers at the 47-yard line of Northern Illinois. Car 
Carlos Davis along with Darian Daniels there. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. Back to throw. Looking, now being flushed. Hit and sucked back at the 24-yard line by Carlos Davis. What a series of plays he's had here. A sack clear back at the 23. Tonight, defensive line coach Tony Tuioti. Snap back to Peters. Straight in the pocket being rushed. Gets hit and goes down. A Huskers get a sack. Back at the 40-yard line, the Davis twins, Khalil and Carlos, combine on that sack of the Illinois quarterback. Brought to you by Channel Seeds. Find your Channel Seedsman at channel.com. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at buyfordnow.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Welcome to our weekly show tonight. Delighted to have Tony Tuioti in, in the house. We'll talk Husker defensive line. Here are the numbers if you want to be a part of this one. 866-HUSKER-1-866-487-5371. Welcome. First year on the staff. First time you've been up in our studios. Thank yeah. you for making it down here. Well, I'm glad to be in the old school candy factory here. So I appreciate you guys having me here. How are you doing? How's this transition been for you and your family? Oh, it's been great. Family's uh, transitioning well. Wife's finally got everybody on a schedule where everybody's going to school now. And so, you know, when the wife puts up the chore chart, then we're back to normal schedule. So we're at that point now. So, But the kids are doing great with their transition and meeting new friends and into sports now. How do you feel like you've um, – the guys in your room, how do you feel like – you feel like – they're with you? Did you? Did it take a while to transition them to kind of learn your lingo and stuff? How's that gone for you? Uh, it's been great. You know, that, that happened in uh, spring ball. You know, it didn't take too long for them to buy in. And we got a great room. And I'm very fortunate to have old senior guys that are really bought in. And so they were able to bring the young guys along with them. So I would say in maybe the fourth practice in the spring ball, where they started really getting into what we're trying to accomplish up front with our fundamental technique. And then um, ever since then, it's been great. So even to this point, the seniors have been uh, doing a great job of just leading the charge for us. So I'm very fortunate to have that group. Through five games, how do you feel like your group's played? Um, You know, obviously last week wasn't our best. But I would say at four out of five, those guys have been um, been stout up front and been very productive for us. Um, they do a really good job running to the football. The effort's there. And it's that's hard to coach to get guys to play hard for 60 minutes. You know, that showed up in the Illinois game. And the biggest thing is trying to preach to those guys to get better and better every week. So I'm very pleased with, what they're, with where they're at right now. You came to Lincoln in the spring, so did Darian Daniels, mm-hmm. and the guy gets voted a captain. That's right. remarkable. Yeah. That says a lot about him. Yeah, that's amazing. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen often, especially have a school like this with as much tradition as we have here in Nebraska. It says a lot about him, his character. It says a lot about his parents who, who raised him. And um, both him and Damian, those guys are awesome. And, um, you know, they're, they're team guys, team first guys. And, you know, to have Darren be named as a captain, when they named him, he was crying. You know, wow. and it meant a lot to him. For a big man that's as big as he is, he's 6'3", 6'4", 340 pounds to be tearing up like that, um, it meant a lot to him, just more so that he's able to serve as his teammates. So I'm happy for him that he was able to be named that. Coach, how's he been with his younger brother? Because sometimes that dynamic <laughs> might not be good. What's it been yeah. like? It's, uh, you know, I tell those guys if they had a reality show, they'd probably make a lot of money. (laughs) 
You know, it's constant. They're going back and forth at each other. Uh, Darian does a great job of keeping Damian uh, in line, and he pushes him harder than anybody else. Like, I, I feel like I push the guys pretty hard, but Darian is, is extremely hard on his younger brother. When he doesn't win a rep, he gets on him so hard. Uh, he says, you're my blood brother. You know, you need to win every rep. So it's just awesome to be able to see a brother just love him so much and try to help him grow and develop. But those guys – back and forth, whether we're in individual period, whether we're in meetings. I mean, it's just constant nonstop, but it's just great to see that type of love and that unity between those two. One of my best images of the year so far was the goal line stand we had against Northern Illinois, and it was Damian who stuffed yeah. one of those plays. might have been right. the third down play he yeah. stuffed, and boy, he was excited. Yeah, yeah, and that's, and that's really in his wheelhouse, you know, to be able to play tackle to tackle and for him to make that type of play for us. That was huge, you know, and that was not only a, a big down for us to win, but that was a, a big down for us to just change the momentum of the game too as well because the very next play we stopped him on fourth down. The defense was fired up, and, you know, this game is a game all of, uh, about momentum and so when you can stop a team at the one yard line and prevent them from scoring a touchdown that's a big momentum shift you know and our offense was able to carry from that so you know there's so many things that we can learn from from game to game and we just got to carry that into this week let's talk about the twins we've talked about them for years because we they committed when they were like juniors in high school and now they're finally seniors both of them playing at a pretty high level right now aren't they yeah very productive um, you know, one of the things I keep thinking about all the time is I only have so many more games with those guys and we're going to miss them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they've produced so much for, you know, over the years here at Nebraska. And uh, they don't say much. They work really hard. And, um, you know, they're very twitchy. They're very explosive. They're great in the run game. And in the pass game, both of them have been very effective too as well. You know, not only in sacking the quarterback, impressing the quarterback, but they've shown some great plays of them running down the field and being able to tackle screens and tackle wide receivers. And that's awesome to see. Really good athletes, both of them. Yeah, great athletes. You got 300-pound guys that can do backflips. And on top of that, they can, they're really great fishermen. So they love to go fishing. And, you know, in the whole summer, summer workouts, right after summer workouts, they'd be out in the lake and fishing. And they got their overalls and their, their fishing boots on. And so just two, true country kids. So going to miss those guys. But they're great. They're great to coach and they're great to have in the building. I need pictures of that. I need to see those oh, guys Oh, I'll definitely fishing. get it for you. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm yes. stopping by your office. I want to see that. Uh, some other guys who've been part of your rotation, Ben Stilley, who Coach Frost said today will probably start with Khalil out for this game against Northwestern. And then DeAndre Thomas has given you some good playing play yeah. this year. Yeah, I think our, our, you know, our second group of guys, DeAndre Thomas, Damian, Damian Daniels, and then Ben Steely, those guys have been really solid for us. And, um, you know, I don't see too much of a drop-off for us with having Ben Steely take a bulk of the reps. You know, I had a chance to sit with him yesterday and just tell him that, you know, his load will probably double from what he's been doing so far, and he's ready for it, and he's prepped for it. And he's played a lot of reps for us last year, too, as well. So the great thing about having Steely out there is like having another coach. You know, and he can line everybody up. He can make sure that we're all on the same page. And so just looking forward to seeing him go out there and help us win a game. Those three that we just mentioned, they're all back. That's the good news, right? Yeah. You got another year with those guys, yeah. at least. A couple right. for DeAndre. Yeah, they're all back. And DeAndre, and he's DeAndre Stout. You know, DeAndre is somebody that can play inside. They also play outside. And he'll probably play outside for us uh, this Saturday, too, to help shore up uh, missing KD in the game. So it'll be interesting to see how, he, uh, how he's able to produce for us so those guys getting a lot of reps is really big for us because next year they'll have a lot of bank reps underneath their belt to help us out with this with KD suspension can you use that as a teaching 
thing for the other guys to say, guys, you can't do this. Yeah. Like, is that how you do that? Is that how you handle this thing with those guys? Yeah. You know, I think there's there's so many teaching moments that happen throughout the game, and that's just one of those teaching moments. You know, we're going to play as hard as we can, but we got to play within the, the rules of the game and keep everybody safe from doing that. I love I love the passion. I love mm-hmm. the energy. I love the, the competition, but it's all going to happen within the rules of the game. So that's just another teaching moment for us to share with our players. Let's talk about some young players in the program. Give us an update on Casey Rogers. How's he been doing? Casey Rogers has been doing great. You know, every Friday we do a developmental scrimmage, and he's pretty much dominated every week. And so um, I think he's earned the right to come out and play, and we're, we're looking at trying to use him this week, um, get him in our rotation and, and be able to see what he can do for us. But I'm pretty confident that he'll be able to get out there and, and continue, to what, continue to improve and, and do what he's been doing that I've been seeing the last four or five weeks out of him. Another guy that's in that class, Tate Wildeman's a guy that we've not yet seen on the field. Yeah, Tate Wildeman's another young guy that I'm super excited about. He's just continuing to grow and get bigger. He's super long right now. He's about 285. Um, another young guy I'm really excited about is Mosai Newsom. And uh, he's been doing an awesome job. He came in at about 265, and he's about 285 right now. And uh, Coach Duvall's been doing a great job with him, but I'm really excited about what he's been able to do for us. Uh, Coach Frost talks about him and Coach, and also Ty Robinson uh, down at the scout team and helping out the offense. And I'm just really excited for those young guys because I think they're going to be good for us for years to come. Most eyes from Iowa, correct? Yes. And Ty's yep. a Phoenix kid. Correct. Very yep. good. Ty's big. Ty's a big, big boy. frame. Yeah, Ty's big. He came in at about 315. He wanted to slim down a little bit, so he's he's kind of – fluctuating between 298 and 300. So he's moving really well, very strong, uh, big body. But, you know, with Coach Duvall getting his hands on him for the next three, four years, he's going to be a monster before it's over with. You need that next wave because you do have a lot of seniors yep. in your room. Yep, we got a lot of seniors in our room, and we're going to miss those guys sorely. But I'm, I'm excited about the young guys because they got length and they got size that we definitely can bulk up and build up. And, you know, in this conference, you got to have guys with some girth, some power, and, um, you know, especially in the run game, you know, in this conference, you got to be stout in doing that. And I think we, we got a good group of young guys that will be, be able to help us out with that. We did see, for the first time, Keem Green play last week against Ohio State. How did he do? And your thoughts about his yeah. development? I think Keem Green's doing a great job. Um, he held his own in the fourth quarter. He pretty much played the whole fourth quarter for us. Um, he wasn't moved around at all, and I thought he played very well, ran to the football very well. Um, we're spending extra time with him after practice, extra time in meetings with him just to catch him up to speed. So we have some more games that we planned out with him that we're going to use him. And, um, you know, I think he's going to be another one that's going to be pretty special before it's all said and done with him because he's 315, 320 pounds right now, and he's got very light feet. He's explosive. He can run. So um, I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do for the next couple of years for us. He didn't get here until, I think, second week of August. So he missed a couple of days of camp. He wasn't here for the summer conditioning. So he obviously was behind, right, mm-hmm. when he got here. Yeah, he was already behind the eight ball when he got here. I think it was 10 practices behind already. So you're just talking 10 practices. But on top of that, there's meetings. We have two meetings a day. So you – you compound that, he's probably been behind the whole spring ball, you know, if it was, yeah. if you're looking at spring. So, and he's been doing a great job of, you know, trying to catch up to speed. Coach Tony Washington spends extra time with him too as well and is doing a great job helping us coach the defensive line. So um, I'm excited to see what he's going to do the next time we let him go play for us. You, you mentioned the Friday. You, you, you take that opportunity to get some young guys, a lot of them freshmen, that, to 
get some snaps, you scrimmage with them a little bit. How valuable is that for them and for you guys to evaluate them a little bit? Yeah, it's uh, it's valuable for them to be able to be in a live situation to tackle, right? Most of our practices are all controlled, so yeah. they don't have any live, live plays to really be able to evaluate those guys. So it's a great opportunity for us to see the young guys go full speed, and it's fun for the older guys to watch the young guys go and play. Well, I bet there's some hooting oh, and yeah. hollering oh, in yeah. there. All day long. You know, there's <laughs> trash talking on both sides, you know, and we get the uh, the younger coaches get a chance to call in the defense and so it's just awesome it's good fun to see them go out there and compete but um you know i'm really happy with the young guys and how they've been progressing and i think casey rogers in the developmental scrimmages he's been dominating and uh that's why i feel really comfortable with him being able to help us out this week because he's earned the right to do that what's what's your number for recruiting well what how many do you want to take for your room is it is it been set by coach frost or is it floating or where is yeah, that it's, at it's floating you know obviously we're losing five seniors and uh you know it's also a great recruiting pitch for us for yeah. the young guys to know that they're going to have an opportunity to try to help us out right away so it's uh it, it helps us out with the recruiting aspect so we're still trying to figure out what that number is you know it could be anywhere from three it could be to five um you know i'm going to try to fight for the highest number sure, I can absolutely but, you know at the end of the day we can only sign so many so um you know we have a plan in place for that but it's still floating and you never know what the attrition and what's going to happen where the numbers can change so I'm just uh dialed in with coach Janander and, and also with our recruiting department to make sure we can get the best guys the biggest guys the fastest guys we can to help us out up front let me ask you a question that we've been asked this week by callers Last weekend was a huge weekend for recruiting. Game day was here, which was awesome. Night game, which allowed you to get kids from all over the country to fly in here and be a part of it. And then the game didn't go real well. Does that affect it a negative way for you? If, as long as you show them what Nebraska is all about and the passion of the fans, how, how do you balance that when the game doesn't go the way you want it to go? Yeah, yeah. you know, it was, it's a great recruiting tool because we have the best fans in the country. And the stadium, there's no other stadium that looks like our stadium, especially when they turn the lights oh, on and the phones come on. That's unbelievable. Oh, chills. You know, yeah. Just standing with the guys in the field and just watching all those phones light up. I mean, those are special moments there. And, you know, most of our recruits that were there that night, those were the pictures that they took. The videos that they took is when the lights came off. Right. they never seen that before. So we definitely have something to sell for these kids. Um, obviously, the game didn't go the way that we wanted to, to be able to showcase that. But one of the big draws for a lot of the recruits to come see us is they want to see what game day experience is like. And them leaving after the game and leaving on Sunday the next day when we said goodbye, like those memories are, are deep-rooted into their experience when they came in. So, um, you know, we got, the best, we got the best fans in the country. And, you know, just selling our future of what the program's going to look like with the new facilities coming in, it's going to even be that much more better. There are a couple of people that made it to Denver. I don't know if you saw in, when we played Colorado, there were a few folks wearing red in the stands for that game. Yeah. Wasn't that amazing? That was awesome. I've never like seen that. 50 almost. I've never seen that on a road <laughs> game. It felt like a home game, and I think that was just another thing that just made it a little bit disappointing, wishing that we could have pulled that one out for yeah. the fans that travel all the way out there. So um, I know it means a lot to our guys to represent uh, the state of Nebraska and to play as hard as they can. And so, you know, that's, that's how we come back to work on Monday and wash it and just try to reset and try to get a win this weekend against uh, Northwestern. Has has this been a good practice team? Does this team practice well in your eyes? Our team practice hard. They yeah. practice really hard. They do everything we ask them to do. Uh, I think we've had a great week of practice this week. You know, um, 
it was hard to get over the the Ohio State game, but they they handled that like mature young men, and that was the biggest test was how do you guys respond from this? And I thought they did a great job of practicing well and making sure that we don't repeat the mistakes come this Saturday. Because Coach Frost talked about this a lot last year. You weren't here, but he just said he had to teach this team how to practice the right way, how to do things the right way, and he's noticed a big change. You jumped in in spring, so you kind of got them after they'd been through a right. year of that. So. But you're yeah. because your room's so much veteran dominated. Yeah. This may not be an easy. This might not be a fair question to ask you because you're not. You've got the oldest room in the in the building. Yeah, right. Yeah, for I mean, sure. you don't. Have, yeah. Nobody else has that many seniors. Yeah, on no, their not team. that many seniors. And I think that's that's a testament to the seniors that we have in the building. You know, they've been through that experience last year. They don't want to repeat that again, and they know what the formula to success is. And you got to practice hard. You got to yep. practice hard. You got to pay attention to details. And like I tell my players all the time too, as well. It's not only about how you practice. It's also what type of attention you pay in meetings right you got to take what you learn in the meetings and bring it out to practice and then it's executed on saturday yeah well another guy that fits in with us always joins us on thursday it's time to talk to teddy he's originally from new york but now calls the second city his home he prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call his choice in pizza is still up for debate but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, you're always a man about town. You were put, tweeting some pictures from the United Center today. What were, you, what were you doing down there? You know, Greg, in this job, we have good days and we have great days. There are really no bad days, I, I don't think. Although, when I covered the Poulon Weed Eater Independence Bowl of <laughs> years ago, that was a bad day. But generally speaking, uh, it's gravy, and today um, I ate everything but gravy. They assigned me to go to the United Center to sample the new food items being offered for uh, Bulls and Blackhawks games starting Friday, um, and it was phenomenal. So I had you know every kind of taco you could possibly imagine, uh, muffaletta, various desserts, brisket sandwiches. It, it's really amazing that I even survived the experience, and then also, the United Center has a giant new video board that's really, really cool. Um, you know, the listeners can check it out at Teddy Greenstein on Twitter if they want to, or just come to the United Center at some point because uh, it's it's one of the best uh, in the business right now. Like 50 million pixels. Wow. <laughs> so what, what they say that means is it's going to be a, a really nice, sharp picture. Yeah, and blind people when they walk in and see that thing. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Hockey's already started. They dropped the puck last night around a couple places. Yeah, Blackhawks are playing overseas. That's a trip I would have liked to make. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're in Prague. The Bears are in London. Uh, Northwestern's in Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> but, uh, I'll, I'll be home checking it all out on, on TV this weekend. And really, I mean, aside from the Nebraska-Northwestern game, I'm extremely excited for Iowa-Michigan. I mean, that is just a huge game on both sides um and we got baseball playoffs i mean this is a tremendous time of year sure is talking about hockey already starting you were covering the the media days along with our ben mclaughlin yesterday for bass yeah. college basketball that seems kind of early tom Izzo even made a crack about that but here we go and you got a chance to see our the new nebraska coach i'm sure yesterday and Greg, it is really early, and when I was asking somebody why, they were like, oh, because uh, the Big Ten couldn't rent this out two weeks later. Oh. And in life, it comes down to money, so I think they probably got a better deal for the season. I mean, we're still four weeks away from the season. Anyway, fine with me, and uh, yesterday was a productive session. We wrote a little bit about Northwestern, which is uh, supposed to finish 14th in the Big Ten. 
behind uh, your Nebraska Huskers, which is pretty amazing considering most people out there can't name one Nebraska player, but they still think they're going to finish better than Northwestern, which lost Derek Pardon and Vic Law and finished last last year. So I can't blame them. The Northwestern players can't blame them. Uh, I, I talked a bunch to uh, to Fred Hoiberg and, and talked to Gervais Green, the guard, um, about kind of the Italy trip. And uh, I asked if Fred did anything funny on the trip at halftime of the final exhibition game. When Fred got really angry, he cut his thumb. Fred, you know, he's on blood thinners because of the heart issues, so he said he was bleeding all over the place. And Gervais Green said, uh, you know, they they, they kind of wanted to chuckle because Fred's just – it's so rare when he gets angry. So when they see it, it, it seems kind of contrived. I know that happened also with the Bulls. But uh, that was kind of funny. Obviously, when Fred talked about uh, Rick Ross, the, the opening night concert – and he said that almost, you know, made his pacemaker explode. <laughs> a lot of heart issues out there. But Fred was good. Uh, good to see him back in the area. Also talked to uh, Tom Izzo and a bunch of Michigan State players. I talked to Richard Patino about uh, likeness issues. That's obviously a, a, a big, big deal, kind of dominating college sports right now. So certainly got a lot of stuff there. Spartans have a chance to be the preseason number one. I think that should be a heck of a team that Izzo has this year amazing team when you think about Aaron Henry and Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston. It's just so rare that, you know, we can even and and think back to three or four or five players on a team like that. I mean, you think about Duke and all the good players leave after one year. Occasionally they stay for a second year. Um, you know, the point guard there is going to do that, Trey Jones. But like with Michigan State, I mean, we know all these guys. Like we've really been watching them. And uh, one of the things they talked about was um, they decided as a team to turn off Twitter. They have, they have planned they are not going to consult. They are not going to check out Twitter at all the entire season, you know, in the vein of they shouldn't spend, be spending time worrying about what people think of them. Don't read the replies. So, so the idea is stay off Twitter, use that time for, for team bonding or to get better at basketball or, hey, maybe, uh, you know, maybe academics. Probably a pretty good piece of advice here. Teddy Greenstein with us from the Chicago Tribune. All right, you alluded to it. The Cats of Northwestern coming to Lincoln. Boy, they put up a pretty good fight against the Badgers last week. They played tremendous defense in that game. What was your takeaway from that one? The defense was exceptional. Um, You know, Wisconsin scored 24, but only had one offensive touchdown. Northwestern ended up making, you know, the score respectable at the end. The final was 24-15. So it was really weird because Pat Fitzgerald went for two when they were down by 15, and then he again went for two when they were down by nine, and they ended up, you know, they're down they're down nine points with the ball, and basically no chance to tie the game when if they had just kicked two extra points, they would have been down seven. So a lot of Northwestern fans were howling about that. Pat Fitzgerald said it was uh, an issue of analytics which is what every coach falls back on now you know the old line used to be we have to look at the film the new line is it's it's all about the analytics uh it it seems to run counter to common sense but whatever that's that's their new thing uh the northwestern offense meanwhile is arguably the worst in america god pat 40 showed me that he had in his column and i mean think about this Northwestern has passed for two touchdowns and thrown seven interceptions. Mm. Ohio State has 16 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. That's when you know you're going bad. So uh, the running game is semi-decent with Drake Anderson, who's pretty quick, although he had issues with blitz pickup last week. Isaiah Bowser is the, the big, t- uh, stronger, tougher guy, but he's, he's 
kind of had a knee issue. So Hunter Johnson, the quarterback, should be healthy. I don't know if that's the good news or bad news for Northwestern. But legit, the defense is fantastic. It's rated, I think, 11th in the country. Sure is. And the way these two teams have battled over the last seven, eight years, we know it's going to be a close game. You alluded to it earlier, Iowa-Michigan. Can't wait to watch this game Mm -hmm. at 11 on Saturday. A lot of pressure on Harbaugh and Michigan, isn't there, for this one? Yeah, there's so much pressure on both sides. I mean, Iowa, I think, has won seven straight games overall, obviously dating to last season and has looked wonderful this season, although obviously barely got by Iowa State. And, you know, Iowa's detractors say, okay, well, they played only one real opponent in the Cyclones, and that was that was a struggle. But, I mean, this, this Iowa offense, I know it's only Middle Tennessee State, but, I mean, I think it was 644 yards of offense last week and three guys rushed for 90 and, Nate Stanley looks good. You know, flip side, obviously, Michigan has been a disaster except for when it plays Rutgers. But a lot of people are picking Michigan, and I think it's purely because they're playing at home, and Harbaugh is so, so much better at home, and he's better, you know, when his team is favored. And he's got that going for him. But you know what, man? I I really think it's going to be Iowa. Iowa has looked great, and uh, they should not get flustered playing in the big house. I mean, I know the Wolverines' record is way better, but it's not an intimidating play. We should be fine there, and uh, I I really would like to see the Hawkeyes play great. Boy, if you're right, there are going to be some Wolves out in Ann Arbor. If Jim drops that game, holy cow. Right, because this was supposed to be the year. So if they already have... Two losses by October fifth. I mean, think about think about that. Think about another year where you know your rival Ohio State is is seemingly dominant. I mean, think about what the point spread. You know, the the, the before season point spread would have been on that game. You know, Ohio State at Michigan. Michigan probably would have been favored by six or seven points. When you think about Ohio State with a new coach and new quarterback in the game being played at the Big House, and if they were played tomorrow, even in Ann Arbor, it would be. I don't know, Ohio State minus 10 or something like that. I mean, the Buckeyes have just been the most dominant team, top 10 offense, top 10 defense, the only team in America with that. And, uh, you know, Michigan, we have no idea what offense they're running or, or whether they're going to be able to hang on to the ball. So, yeah, it, it could get ugly there if uh, if Michigan loses. And then think about this. I mean, Michigan is still at Penn State, home for Notre Dame, home for Michigan State, home for Ohio State. That's a team that could certainly go 7-5. and Ooh, boy. You mentioned the Buckeyes. They do host the Spartans. Do the Spartans have any any chance Saturday night? I don't see any chance of winning. I mean, I just did my picks against the spread, and 20-and-a-half and is, is too much for me. I mean, that I think you gotta you got to take the points with that defense. And it just seems like Justin Fields, I mean, assuming he, you know, is a red-blooded human being, he's, he's got to have some flaws. I mean, that team is so incredible, but there has to be an off week, and Michigan State can make you look bad. Now, flip side, obviously the Spartans' defense really got taken to the shed by Indiana last week. I mean, Michael Penix Jr. completed 20 consecutive passes. That was an awesome job by Indiana. Easily could have won that game. Uh, but, you know, the Michigan State defense, the other every other Saturday has been, has been rock solid. So, you know, that's a game where you, you see it being 27-10, 27-14, something like that. Very good. Well, enjoy your weekend at home, and we'll chat again next Thursday. Thanks, Greg. Be well, buddy. Well, something we're going to debut for the first time ever in the history of Nebraska athletics is a non-English broadcast of Husker football on Saturday. And one of the broadcast members is joining us now, Oscar Monteroso, who's going to be a part of the broadcast crew. Oscar, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Are you excited about this opportunity? Well, yeah, it is. Uh, it is exciting to to be able to call the 
the Nebraska. It's um, game is going to be. I mean, we 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 were kind of like lost in words about what we're gonna, <laughs> you know, because it, it's a really exciting to to be part of of, of what the Nebraska Huskers are doing, uh, especially with you know with the with the football, you know, with uh, with el, el rojo, you know, that we will say that in in Spanish, you know, el, the red football, right? So we are excited to be part of it. You and Enrique currently do uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. How long have you been doing their broadcasts? Well, we uh, realized this year, coming out with a 60 years logo for the Kansas City Chiefs, that we've been doing it for 10 years. Wow. Last time we figured it out, well, last time that we got, um, that we started doing it, we got a jersey with a 50 on it, and it had the 50 years on it. So we kind of look at each other and we're like, oh, we've been doing this for 10 years now. So, but with uh, Tico Sports, we've been doing it since uh, 2016. Very good. Tico Sports will be uh, the, in partnership with this broadcast that, that uh, will be brought to uh, Nebraska with Oscar and Enrique on Saturday night. Uh, did you grow up a football fan? Were you a big sports fan growing up? Give me, just give me some of your, your background. Well, the, um, being a, a sports fan, it was more about soccer. Uh, growing up in Central America, you know, Costa Rica and Guatemala, it was more about soccer, which it was, you know, the World Cup was a, was a big thing for, for us. Uh, football um, um, Americano, you know, football Americano, well, we, uh, I actually started getting into it when I got back in, well, when I got to the United States. One of the opportunities I had to uh, work for one of the networks, it was Telemundo. It was in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, it was my first time that I got to cover um, uh, the it was the the Saints the New Orleans Saints um, uh, the Alamo Dome. That's when they were when there was um, I think it was Katrina that happened and they had to move out from their home from the Mercedes Dome. They had to go out to to San Antonio and that's when I started getting more involved with with football. Um, and I I was not really a fan of it, but slowly you started getting the hang of it, started understanding it. And that's when when you start realizing, well, this this sports is it's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of uh, good, um, um, like a ch- like playing chess, you know. So I really got into learning more about it, um, and that's when I started really enjoying it. Fantastic! Again, we're visiting with Oscar. Monterosso, who will be a part of the broadcast crew for the first ever Spanish language radio broadcast of Husker football on Saturday night. It'll be heard in Omaha on 97.7 and Grand Island 93.3. Oscar, uh, Nebraskans are crazy about their football team, kind of like the, a lot of Chiefs fans are in Kansas City. How much fun you having covering that team right now, and how good is Patrick Mahomes? Oh well, I mean, you know that uh, Patrick Mahomes is, is is the is the homie right now, <laughs> is the is the one that is bringing the 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 fire right here to Arrowhead, uh, this uh, the uh, you know the Red Sea. So in in the in the Hispanic community, you know, I mean, is it, is growing the 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 fan base as well. You know, uh, the fans in Mexico is, is is pretty big. They are following Mahomes, and they are they are. They are they're really excited about this year too, um, and and having them here, you know, calling those games, being able to to see all the records that he's uh, breaking together with the Chiefs, you know, it's um, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's amazing being part of this, you know. Um, we know that uh, back in the in, in about five years ago, when when Andrew Reid uh, was being brought back to to the Kansas City Chiefs. 
he mentioned, you know, yes, we have a we we have a good team here. We got something going on, but you know, it's gonna take a couple of years before we actually are uh, Super Bowl contenders, and and we're about that time, you know. I think that uh, that the 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 years that he was mentioning are going into completion. And last year we were one way away, one game away from from the Super Bowl. And uh, this year we're hoping there's going to be no one one game away, but we're going to be there. So it's uh, it's exciting to call the games. It's exciting to be you know with with Kike when he when he goes and 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 is able to to scream the anotación in a very, very distinctive way. And you'll be able to listen to that, you know, when we're doing the Nebraska game. Fantastic. Well, Oscar, we certainly appreciate you giving us a little bit of time. I hope you're excited about this. Memorial Stadium can be a lot of fun to be at, and I think you're going to enjoy the atmosphere. It's a, a little bit like the Chiefs games, a little bit, uh, with a kind of a coll- collegiate flair to it. So I hope you're excited about this. Yeah, we are. We are really excited, and we're looking forward to, to be uh, there Um and, and be part of this uh, celebration on Saturday. Well, we appreciate you taking some time again. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Mick, to all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Tomorrow night we'll have our Big Ten picks. We'll play part of our Cornusker conversation this week with DiCaprio Boodle and hear from Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network. Have yourself a great night. Talk to you again tomorrow. Good night.